Hello, hello and welcome to another episode of Putting It Together. It's episode 51 and it's Wednesday the 24th of October. And thank you very much for joining and thank you for all your retweets and your lovely comments about episode 50. It was great to have Scott and Claire on the show and uh, I thought it was a good way to mark our 50th episode. But also that means that next week is technically, well definitely, uh, the one year anniversary of Putting It Together. So next week, episode 52 marks a year since I started and uh, that was on the 1st of November uh, in 2017 and I've got a special show lined up for you for next week. Um, For this week, uh, just as special of course, my guest is Katie Barnett, a brilliant actor and musical theatre performer who just sort of has it really. It's hard to pinpoint exactly what it is but she's definitely got it and it was brilliant to talk to her. Um, we've kind of known each other, you know, the way kind of um, on the fringes of knowing each other for years. We've passed each other in many's a theatre bar. I've seen her in lots of stuff. We've been aware of each other's work and uh, finally got a chance to sit down and chat to her. And uh, it doesn't disappoint. We talk about a lot of things and it's good to get into a wee bit of the, once again, the kind of maintaining the mental health stuff um, in a quite a different way from we have with other people um so i'm glad about that uh, and also about her experience at, in our ladies of perpetual sucker which was a hugely successful uh, nts show which went on to run in the west end uh, and talking about that that famous job of understudy uh, and how does that work and and how do you keep yourself sane while doing that um what does that entail so it was good to talk about that as well um, so I'm thankful to Katie for taking the time out. I'm thankful to all you lovely people who are listening to the show. And if you haven't hit that subscribe button already, please do. It does make a difference. And uh, let your pals know that you're listening to the show. You can share it. You can tweet about it. You can shove it on your Instagram. You can do whatever you want. It'd be great to just let as many people know as possible. Because I do feel that we have quite a wide reach. And I don't think it hurts to have people who are not directly involved in our business to listen to the show. Because... I don't know, I, th- I think we've got something for everyone. So um, it's good. We're talking about two human beings sitting in a room having a chat. And uh, I hope that's how it comes across and that's uh, that's what we're going for. So uh, without further ado then, I'm going to introduce you to Katie Barnett, who's my guest this week. She's with me and we are Putting It Together. You did recently. I was just talking last week to to Claire and Scott about my name is Ben, and I know yes. you were involved in the d- development of that. I was, yeah. The, it's a funny thing, the old development, isn't it? Doing like doing a little bit of work intensely on something, and mm. then and then kind of giving it back. I mean, how oh, did yeah. you find that? Do you know what it was? It was really strange because we workshopped it for two weeks yeah. at Dundee Rep, and um, and then we did a concert performance with Scottish Ensemble. Um, on the Sunday of the second week. Right. So basically we spent two weeks, well, about one and a half weeks, workshopping it, doing loads of the kind of movement sequences with EJ Boyle and yeah. working with Andrew on the scenes, working with Scott and Claire, um, getting it up on its feet to give them an idea of what it might be like. And then we like filmed it all and stuff like that. So it was it was like a workshop process. And then on like the Thursday of the second week, we were like, oh, we need to actually think about the concert on right. Sunday. So then we started kind of blocking the the concert which is less involved than maybe the blocking that you would imagine yeah. for a, the full scale thing right yeah so it was interesting because it was like we'd got it all on its feet and then we were like now we need to 
to do the concert and we were just like in our chairs and then standing up and singing and there was like minimal blocking so you paired it back so then we paired it back yeah but then what was really interesting was then it became all about kind of the songs and the music and being able to really listen to that because before we'd been so focused on how do we do it like up on its feet yeah so it was a really interesting process unlike anything i've ever done because i've done workshops before and i've done rehearsed readings before but this was like an amalgamation of the two yeah 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 um so we really got to know it and then we got to kind of show the the songs in the in the concert on the sunday which was such a special experience because we knew it was brilliant yeah um i mean obviously scott and claire are absolutely like phenomenal what they do and the music was just i mean in the read-through they played the music that they'd recorded when they workshopped it last time. So they workshopped it, I think, for about a week last right. time. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the week, they, they recorded all the songs or the majority of the songs. So in the read-through this time, they played the songs as it went. And when it got to the finale, I was genuinely welling up. Oh. <laughs> like, And I was holding back tears. I was thinking, I can't be that guy on day one <laughs> to be <laughs> it's so good. sobbing at the table. Oh, yeah. that's so nice I was though. like, I'm going to need to hold this back. Um, and then in the concert, I just... Yeah, I couldn't help it. Really? Like, yeah, I was but gone. But Claire's music is beautiful. Like, it's and with the Scottish ensemble, like, those uh, strings, it was just glorious. something else. And the reaction in the crowd, like, it was, it was, you know when you know something special? Yeah. Like, from the way it lands. Yeah. I've never really experienced it to that level before, where, mm-hmm. like, the audience, it was, like, electric, like, the audience were totally with us, and by the end, like, we looked out, and not that it's all about getting people to cry, but, like, <laughs> we looked out, and it was, like, a sea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of tears. So you just know this is something really unique here yeah and everybody i spoke to afterwards like even some of my family who don't really go to the theater a lot who came along were really like moved by it and Mm. thought it was really original and something they'd not really seen before and i think that's really special yeah but scotland as well it's it's yeah that's unique yeah so it's rare isn't it getting musical theater of that level yeah to exist here that's Um, what they're doing though yeah they're making it happen yeah which is great it is really great and it's so good to be involved in that kind of stuff but then you have to hand it back this is the thing like Mm. isn't that difficult um yeah no like no because we we know that we were there at that point and that special point and then just have to trust that they've got to do what they've got to do with it um and it'll it'll then go on and have another life and i'm just happy that i got to be there kind of near the beginning see that's just my ego i go i wouldn't be able to let it go i want to keep it <laughs> i mean we were like that because we know it's going to connecticut yeah next year but obviously it's been done with good speed in, in connection with them so they're using actors over there but there's yeah. definitely yeah, oh, we'll a vibe in the room of like hmm <laughs> <laughs> we could yeah we can come i'm free yeah, i'm free i'm yeah. free next year <laughs> but, but you're it's good because you know that you're going on to other stuff as well because you've had a, a fairly good run from what i've seen recently yeah yeah the, the ball is slowly rolling <laughs> at, at least it's rolling yeah so you're going rolling. up to do mcbob panto yeah not for the first time for the, yeah for my third time that's great which i'm really looking forward to because i just love it there so much what do you play this year i'm playing prince charming are you yeah so you don't it, it's not one of those things where you go back every year and kind of essentially do the same part in no a different colored it's been costume. totally different totally right. different like the first year we did wayne's in the wood yeah so i played gretel so that was kind of like principal girl, but but like with a with a twist. Mm-hmm. And then last year I played a little rat sidekick, who was called Clea Ratra. Rat sidekick, yeah, not rap. A, not rat. Well, I did rap oh, actually. Did. Now that you say that, we did boom shake 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 the room. Oh, fantastic! So I did the whole like rap section. Amazing. Um, hey, yo, are you all so ready yeah. for me yet? Yeah, that bit. <laughs> Amazing. But it was like all that dancing in the aisles and yeah, all that bit. With Helen Sounds McCulping. great. Yeah, I mean, definitely unique. 
and then this year prince charming so prince charming that's a wee change it is a change i like that it's always different we were talking the other day and sitting in the wings you know you have weird conversations in the wings about um people writing in to complain because occasionally you get wind of someone complaining about a, a show that you're in yeah. and and my best one was someone wrote in to complain about a, a panto i'd written and it was at howden park center in livingston and the problem that you had was that cinderella and buttons got together at the end mm-hmm. and the reason was because i'd written the prince to be this sort of oafish blue blood who just wanted to continue his lineage so he wanted to marry anyone mm-hmm. and he was just all about money and stuff so i was like tell you what she's not going to marry him she's going to marry her best friend and the guy wrote in to complain this was not the story of cinderella and my grandchildren were very disappointed <laughs> that isn't that mad it's always the adults as well yeah it's well the kids the are like the kids, they probably were like oh that's a bit different yeah the kids love their life generally yeah they go with it but i mean we get we do get a lot of that i mean with johnny writing it i bet you get a few um, <laughs> i mean the scripts are bonkers and amazing yeah but never like traditional no, not so at all. I think you do get a lot of people coming along. I mean, they should know by now, really. But people are yeah, coming along yeah. being expecting this classic story. And um, it never is that. I mean, we had one year where there was the kiss at the end was the prince and buttons. Oh, right. So it was James Rocker and Robbie Jack right. got, got married at the end. <laughs> I think this was two years ago. Yeah, two years ago. And um, the kids loved it. Yeah. The kids were always cheering and clapping. Never had an issue with the kids. But one woman wrote in and mm-hmm. said that that was oh. not the right way to end the show and it was a bad message to be sending out to the kids so oh that's kind of dear. the worst one that we had we were raging you know like that's yeah we're raging that's um, good though like because there's not many pantos up in the country that are doing that stuff mm, so fair play definitely get some complete i don't know if i'm allowed to talk about it but... <laughs> that's fine <laughs> that's all we need that's all you need to know and so what keeps happening is i see you and stuff and then like i say we sort of pass in the bar so you're in um hay fever yes with my pal rosie yes rosie who's oh. still never been on this show the last time she was here she was doing of mice and men mm-hmm. and it was when the snow was really bad oh yeah and we got stuck here for three days and i kept that's going, right we should do a podcast and then we're like or we could watch an, another a repeat of peter k or something <laughs> so we just yeah just sat and ate and chatted and never did it mm. i remember that because i meant to go and see it but i think it got cancelled yeah we, we saw it on the, maybe the monday of the week and then the rest of the week got cancelled because mm-hmm. there's no so i still somehow managed to leave here drive to strinrar and get a ferry to belfast <laughs> for a gig and i was what? quite impressed with myself i That's couldn't mad. get a flight because the airport was done in but i managed to get the boat oh good job you didn't have to get the bus because that would not have worked for i me. would not have been happy with that <laughs> there's no there was no buses going around here at that time let me tell you <laughs> so you did uh you did hay fever mm-hmm you have these, um, well, I and mean, we've all got a casting bracket, don't we? Mm-hmm. You get um, some absurd edge, comical kind of. There's an awkwardness that you play really well. You get, a, do you get a lot of that? Um, yes, I do. And it's something I'm only starting to realise now. I'm like, oh, there's a pattern forming here. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, because I think when I was at drama school, I was under the illusion. That especially studying musical theatre, I didn't really know that existed. <laughs> I don't know, like, because it's kind of drummed into you that you kind of, based on your look, you need to go a certain way. And I think for me, I was always told that like, you need to go down the leading female route, which right. I now know is ridiculous. Right. But at the time, I thought, well, I'm going to need to live up to that. Why is it ridiculous, though? Um, well, I, I think, A, like, I think in London, I don't fit that look. Right. And something that I found more and more now is I'll go up for like the, the funny part or the the 
the kind of like you were saying like just different roles yeah from the leading lady i've never once been up for a leading lady but i think at drama school i think it's that thing as well within the class you get put in a box yeah and in relation to other people in relation to other people yeah so i think i was kind of looked at like that so when i left i got kind of shocked that um there was other things out there i mean it was a brilliant shock because i didn't know parts could be that interesting so it opens up another world that you didn't know really existed yeah and i've got to do like really fun parts and and like be funny and i never knew i was funny oh right i never knew i was funny so in a weird way that was getting quashed without you realizing i think so maybe not deliberately but who knows i think so but yeah you're right because like in hay fever i got to play that really fun role and certainly when i do panto i get to play all different kinds of yeah fun parts are you a quote-unquote funny person in life do people do your friends laugh with you at you that's a very interesting question would they say (laughs) you're funny i don't know because a lot of people that i'm now like really close friends with have told me that when they first meet me i come across really dry and like really oh a bit cold i don't think that's true i get told that a lot right and um i think it's because when i don't really know someone i'm scared to let that out but when i know someone well yeah i just let my freak flag fly good quote yeah i love that show I love it. So I love the much. music in that show so much. Shrek, by the way, for any for any poor people <laughs> listening to this show who haven't heard Shrek the musical soundtrack, go for the Broadway one. Do you want to know a story about that? I do. While you're talking about Shrek, go go go. When I was auditioning for drama school, <laughs> this is so embarrassing. Um, I got asked what my dream role was. Um, and I got so flustered, I just said Shrek. <laughs> 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 do you, were you trying to say like something from Shrek but you just that's right I, I wish I knew what I was enough. trying to do but you know that way I was just put on the spot and I was so flustered and I just said Shrek and then I had to kind of dig myself out of it but but then also I was like actually no I could be Shrek yeah you could so yeah you got a better Scottish accent than Mike Myers anyway safe to say I didn't get into drama school that year <laughs> oh you didn't no so you went round a couple of times did you uh yeah to- yeah I got in the second time but yeah did, know, do you do that that thing that I did growing up, which is like listen to the soundtrack of a musical on repeat, and get become obsessed with it so much? Yeah, do you still do it? Yes, I do. When I was young, though, it was like I had my go tos. Yeah, yeah, me too. Yeah. Were you like that as well? Oh, absolutely. But then some a new one would come in. I would hear a little snippet of a new one from someone, mm. and then I would have to listen to the whole thing. Yeah, start to on finish, repeat. on repeat until I got really became obsessed with it. I remember like my mum and dad used to get not annoyed but they'd be like oh like in the car because it would be the same it was wicked like yeah used to put the wicked cd on yeah again and again and again and again and um yeah i was like that actually now that i come to think of it but then also <laughs> i remember like when i was just starting to audition for drama school the first time like i knew of like the classic musical theaters and yeah. like my mum and dad always used to take me to Aberdeen to see the big musicals that came in. And right. when I was growing up, it was always like the Andrew Lloyd Webbers. So it's always like, you know, Avita or Cats yeah. or Joseph, you know, all those kind of ones. So I was very well versed with, yeah, the, me too, with yeah. the Andrew Lloyd Webbers. But then when it came to like the more niche stuff, I didn't really know anything about it. And I remember first hearing the last five years, like Jason Robert Round for yeah. the first time wow. and thinking that I was like so unique. Like I remember listening to it being like, I am edgy. <laughs> it'd been out for a while would it it had been out for so long and everybody knew it but i was like i am so cool so when i was planning like what to sing for drama school this is so embarrassing i was like <laughs> i was like i'm gonna have to whip out the jason robert 
so edgy, man. Thinking that was like going to get me a place. Yeah. And I look back on that time and I go, oh no. What did you sing? I think I very quickly learned that wasn't going to get me in. Oh, um, you didn't do it. So I didn't do it in the end. And right. then I went the opposite way and went really niche. I like bought this book. Um, I can't remember what it was called, but it was like some sort of edition prep like mm-hmm. novel. Like somebody had written it who had been to Mount View or something years ago and had oh. written this book, like this this like handbook for actors and i read it and in the back it had this glossary of like songs and they were all really niche that nobody had ever heard of so i literally (laughs) spent every single night in my computer room at home like on youtube like looking at all these niche songs and i eventually chose i think it was called shopping around from the musical wish you were here okay you could have just made that up shopping around was it any good um it was fine was it more important that it was niche than that it was exactly good, and i think that's the danger yeah. like when you're applying for drama school there's so much pressure of like don't sing the, the obvious ones like i used to look up lists online that would say like these are no goes like don't sing these and i totally understand that like you're not going to go in and sing oh, i dream the dream or, yeah, yeah. Well, there you go. well yeah and um I, t- I totally get it within reason within reason yeah, yeah. and i think it, so much pressure is put on you and at that age you know coming from where i came from i didn't know anything yeah. about musicals and i think that pressure broke me so literally i was like i need to find the the most obscure thing i can possibly find so obscure even so obscure even if it what there'll be someone listening that'll be like oh yeah i wish you were here that's like a classic but i wrote that <laughs> <laughs> how dare you but i was like so obsessed with that that i think i chose stuff that didn't even show me to my yeah best because i thought oh it's better that i stand out and then i didn't get in mm. and then the next year i was like you know what no i'm gonna go for something that that i can actually do so what and, did you do well, then I did, I did breathe from In the Heights. Oh, that's, yeah. And then um, I actually did that because Claire um, Mackenzie was running like um, a workshop with RCS, like an addition prep course. Ah. And I went along to it and one day she brought in Breathe and got us all to sing it like as a group. Mm-hmm. And then she kind of like came up to me at the end. I don't know if she'll remember this, but she came up to me at the end and was like, I think that really suits you. Like, can we go into a room and you could just sing it on your own? So like sang it for Claire and she like really encouraged me and was like, I really think this is a good song for you. So I, I took her advice and just did that. Brilliant. And then I got in. See? So it was worth doing the workshop as well. That's the other yeah, thing. Yeah, totally. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. In the Heights is, is niche enough. Like yeah. in terms of like, you know, if you said to your auntie who claims to like musicals, she yeah. probably wouldn't know what you were talking about. No, definitely not. It's funny the people that say they like musicals, isn't it? It is. Like, like the type of the type of thing that they tend to. Now, at the... I had that same experience growing up. The Andrew Lloyd Webber, were, <laughs> they were like the standards and I knew them inside out. But sometimes I had highlights CD. You know, if someone buys you a CD, oh, yeah. they don't know the difference. So sometimes I had highlights and there were bits that I didn't know from the shows because I only ever had like highlights. Phantom of the Opera was the version I had. <laughs> so oh, I it missed see. out some bits. I know what you mean. I think I had those as well. Yeah, highlights, Phantom of the Opera, highlights, Lemis, stuff like that. Yeah, but the ones where I had the full ones, you know, the, the double CD, I mm-hmm. would know every word you know mm-hmm. and then my, i remember my pal stuart who's uh he was a designer and he, he did he used to build like miniature stage sets and everything like that and now he does um interior design anyway he he phoned me one day and he said i think i found it so what's that he said i found the new musical the one we've been looking for <laughs> and he was deadly serious we were about 15 uh, what is it he said it's called wicked <laughs> and it was the biggest news honestly and i heard it, and it was because we were always looking for yeah, a musical that, that had it all and, you know, it had like a rocky kind of a, you know, pop sort of a sound, yeah. but also musical theatre, great voices, great cast, you know, all the rest of it. Oh, we thought we'd struck gold. <laughs> and I suppose in a sense we had. 
but was wicked to him like last five years to me like did he think it was niche or did he know that it wasn't it was quite new because he used to order cds from um dress circle oh which yes. doesn't exist oh it does exist as an online thing anymore but it, it still exists online but he used to go down when he was in london he would go to dress circle on Monmouth street and buy up whatever was new so wicked was new at the time and then I remember another guy I knew called Michael Martin who came in. We were doing Panto at the Mitchell and he came in on Boxing Day and he said, you'll never guess this. This is what I got for Christmas. And it was Songs from a New World. That, and none of us had ever heard of Jason Robert Brown. <laughs> so that was pre-last five years. And it was relatively new. And oh, yeah, again, we thought, this is amazing. We've never heard anything like it. Isn't that so funny? And it was so important. That's the other thing. Mm. You know, like, because I listened to it all day. Going on my scooter to school. My <laughs> headphones, listening to the line. Were well, your Walkman. Yeah, I had, well, I had a mini disc player. <laughs> oh, okay. You're I loved that mini disc player, I tell you what. They <laughs> never caught on, really, did they? No. That was short lived. <laughs> You're from up north, I take it. I am. Whereabouts? Fraserburgh. Near Aberdeen? Yeah. Relatively. Like 40 miles north. Right, but not as north as Inverness? No. Right. So, yeah. was there an Amdram scene up there? <laughs> Such a big Amdram scene. Really? Competition? Were they oh, like yeah. fighting against each other? And yeah, all that? it was really intense. Yeah. I was listening to Robbie Jack's podcast. Oh, yeah. And I totally resonate with it so much. Yeah. Because he's so right. Like up in the north, it's such a thing. Yeah. And um, in Fraserburgh, there's a group called Fraserburgh Junior Art Society. Mm-hmm. And they're like the local Amdram group. And it is like, I can't express to you how big it is. It is so big in Fraserburgh everybody knows it yeah. and like the panto that they do every single year there was like a dame that did it again and again and again and again for like right. years and he was like famous in yeah. Fraserburgh yeah it's called Basher <laughs> and he would so do, you he, want to avoid him on a dark night or <laughs> no he's actually really like shy and lovely in real life but then bashful. he goes on stage bashful maybe, maybe that's not he would from. bash your face I don't him. actually know where bashful comes from but yeah and he would do it all in like Doric like really thick Doric right and really local and um he was like a local celeb and like if you did the panto every year you're kind of like known like and i kid you not this is not a joke every year when they sell the tickets they release the the ticket date and people queue outside the durham bull hall which is where where it's performed from like 1 a.m 2 a.m in the morning like stand out in the hailstones in the snow to be first in the queue for when the the tickets go on sale at 9 a.m that is amazing. It is intense. So like my dad, bless him, used to get up at like four or five in the morning or whatever mm-hmm. and um, and go and stand in the car park <laughs> to get tickets to see me and Panto. Wow. So did you, you worked with Basher? Yeah. That, was that one of your first experiences of, of performance? It was, yeah. I think the very first experience would have been, because they also do a summer show every year. Mm-hmm. And I did Peter Pan when I think I was nine and I played Michael. Oh, and I got to do the flying and oh, everything great. like that, which was really fun. So had you gone along and seen Basher and all that lot and, and it sparked some interest in you? Is that how it worked? I think or? so, although I went to these drama classes in Fraserburgh that were on every week. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know if you know Douglas Irvin, who um, is artistic director of his own theatre company, Visible Fictions. Yes, yeah. So he's, he's from Fraserburgh. <laughs> right. And his mum teaches the weekly classes right and Fraserburgh so I, I used to go along with those and that's my first memory of doing anything kind of theatrical and mm. I would have gone when I was as young as maybe six or seven and I went to that every single week and then it was her that was like oh there's these additions for Peter Pan and she like got me in and I had to do the big addition to play Michael the big audition but it was it was mad there was, was like there a recall yeah I think there was there was like Ooh. four of us and she like phoned my house 
on that night and asked my mum like if she could take me to the audition my mum was like oh I don't know because she didn't want me to get like hurt if I didn't get the part but then I did (laughs) do you (laughs) remember do you remember not getting a part for the first time because that's a a big memory for me yeah yes I remember they were doing Bugsy Malone and I went up for Tallulah Mm -hmm. and I didn't get it were you really upset I was really upset yeah it's horrible I was so sad I mean we're used to it now yeah you kind of don't really think about it but Mm. it was yeah on the side of well I won't get it you Mm -hmm. just assume assume you won't and anything else is bonus um I got this I did a tiny little tv thing when I was a kid and then um a a phone call from some production company whatever and they were doing this film about Pinocchio and the message that we got in our house I'm sure it got mangled but us talking about it but I was going to play Pinocchio in this new film (laughs) and I don't know how carried away we got probably massively and then two days later they phoned and something else had happened and they'd got somebody and and I remember I walked around the house crying for hours and hours yeah. I mean, to the point where my parents were like, right, come on, stop it. Yeah, it's hard though, because it's, it's your first taste of actually this isn't as easy as maybe you thought. Yeah, because if you've had any success, I don't mean success, but like if you've got parts before that, you think, oh, so that's what happens. Yeah, I like go in and I get the part. Michael and Peter Pan, like, whoa. That's a big I mean? one, and then you do it. It's and... a big one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Did, um, yeah. did Basher play Captain Hook or? No, see, he never did the summer shows. He's just, oh. he's all about the panto. Okay. And then you can't be in the panto unless you're, I think, an academy, like first year of high school. Oh. So I didn't get to be in the panto until first year of high school. And then I got in and I played a yellow clown in, um, oh, I can't remember. Do you mean what a clown it? dressed in yellow or? Yes, I was like a clown. It was like a circus. Oh. And I played like a wee yellow clown. It's funny that. what we get involved in, isn't it? I know, honestly. <laughs> And and then, yeah, so to answer your question, <laughs> I've got on a massive tangent, the Amdram scene is so big up there. But so many people have told me that about rural places, mm. places, that, you know, it's, north particularly, as you say. Yeah, it's good because it, it does give you a sense of community. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, the thing that's so interesting is I don't think a lot of people go on to actually do that as a job. I don't think people r- really talk about the fact that you can do that professionally. Like it's not about that. It's not about that, yeah, yeah. and because yeah. it was all ages as well. Yeah, all ages are so involved in it. It's not just about you know young people and getting them to a place where they can then apply for drama school. It's never about that. No, not about, like in the sense that are we a stage school or something exactly. would be preparing for that. It's not the same mentality. That. It was about you know discipline for everyday life. Yeah, <laughs> and like you know working together as a community and stuff like that that I think is really really good to learn at that age and, and is very healthy yeah um because it was never like oh you need to be you know prepped for drama school and things like that it was yeah. just but it was alice who took those workshops that that first told me that drama school existed oh you didn't even know that was a thing i didn't know it was a thing yeah then, that's quite common as well i've heard a lot of people say that yeah i didn't know that yeah. existed i didn't know it was a thing and then she told me that that dougie had gone mm-hmm. to what was then rsmd right and um and as soon as i heard that i was like i want to go there Wow. Mm-hmm. So, all that, and then at that point, is was it just a tunnel vision sort of a, that's definitely what I'm going for and mm-hmm. nothing's going to put me off? Yeah, I never really, um, I never really questioned other things that I wanted to do. I mean, obviously I was like, oh, I don't know how to do this because I didn't really know of anyone who had apart from Dougie um, who had been in my shoes and then gone on to do that. So I felt very... Like I was floating, I didn't really know yeah. what the formula was. Sure. And I remember like 
coming towards the end of high school and being really scared because like the careers advisor would come in and talk to everybody and I would you know do that thing of going I want to be an actress and she would always try and kind of put me off advise you to get a career advise me that's not a great idea and um and it was scary because I just didn't really know what I was doing yeah yeah now if I say to you Katie what do you taste how do you know this we were in an audition together remember oh yeah and I've thought about it so much because it's no it's amazing tell me the thing explain the thing to us Okay, it's called synesthesia. Right. And it's basically when... How do I describe this in an intelligent way? It's basically when two or more of your senses are interlinked. Mm -hmm. I think is a good way to describe it. And usually, I know a lot of people who can hear music and see colour. Yes, you do hear that, don't you? Yeah, and that's quite... Not common, but I think that's the most common form of synesthesia. Mm -hmm. Whereas my form is that I can say words and taste them. Mm-hmm. But it's it's normally names for some weird reason. It's people's names. So it doesn't necessarily apply to every single word. Not every single word. Of course, you'd just be like inundated, wouldn't you, with all these tastes all day? Do you know what? I'd say probably a solid seventy-five percent of words. Really? Mm-hmm. So if I say really, nah, that's one of the. Okay, let's let's try this. Percent. Percent. That's like a phyllo pastry. That's mad. <laughs> Cushion. Cushion. Ooh, kind of like shoe polish. What? See, there's no way you could just be coming up with that. Well, I mean, there's no way. And I'll tell you what as well. When I started admitting to this, um, (laughs) because I kept it to myself for a a long time, because I thought if I had to tell people this, they're going to think I'm making it up. Right. And I think it was one of my friends that I met at RCS. I told about it. And she asked me, like, on the second day, what her name tasted like. And then she wrote it down. And she asked me on the last day what does my name taste like? She was like testing me to see if I was going to say the same thing. Right. And I did. And she was like, oh man, like I was really hoping you were going to say something else and I could out <laughs> you as being this mad liar. Doesn't yours taste like Kit Kats? Yes. Yeah, I remember that. Mm-hmm. That's yours amazing. Yours tastes like bran flakes. Oh. So there is a there is a link to the sound then. Sometimes, yeah. The so letters. I've read up about it just because I'm very curious. Yeah. And um, some, yeah, sometimes it's to do with sound Um. And when you're younger, what you associate that sound with. But like younger, for example, tastes like baked beans. That's right, really so strong. That's... So that has nothing to do with the word baked, be- you know, baked or bean. Does that drive you crazy when you're eating and someone's talking? Or do you have to say the word? Uh, no, no, I don't have to say the word. Right. I think I'm just used to it, to be honest. I don't think it drives me crazy. What is annoying is when I'm hungry and um, someone says, or you say something. And it can really put me into like, <laughs> if someone says a word again and again and again, I then start craving that thing. And then it's like, I need to have that for my dinner. <laughs> changed my whole plan yeah that's exactly. amazing because i remember in school like my my um my, my maths teacher maths was a problem because it's like mint creams oh and my maths teacher would always say square you know like the square root square root square root and square is like a millionaire shortbread mm. and so every time i had maths i had to go home and have a millionaire shortbread and also <laughs> people's voices like the sound of people's voices like the quality yep also sometimes has a taste because I remember my English teacher at school always made me crave cheese on toast because of her voice quality. That's so interesting. But I sound like a mad person. No, I, get, I mean, yeah, because <laughs> I believe it now. So I get it. I get it in as much as I'm happy to believe it. But it's so interesting. It's, but the reason I bring it up is because, well, we were in an audition together mm-hmm. and 
often in these situations you're asked to say something interesting about yourself or mm-hmm. and I think it was about names like tell us something interesting about your name and you said it tastes like Kit Kats so that's one example of being in an audition situation where you have to say or do something mm-hmm. odd you know mm-hmm. to put you on the spot and presumably going up for comedy roles you get you get quite a lot of that tell us a joke or do something or what do you get yeah tell us a joke a lot of the time I got that recently and they didn't laugh which was really hard <laughs> I had to tell us a joke recently and they didn't even ask for the joke and th- like that that made me sad because I stress out so much about stuff like that because you were asking me earlier about whether people find me funny in real life I have a real complex about it that I'm that I'm not funny right, okay. <laughs> my biggest fear is that people find me boring like that's my thing is that I do not want people to find me boring I don't know where that's come from mm. but I don't know if it's because people sometimes find me funny on stage so then in real life I feel like I need to be that as well and I, I genuinely I, I'm not like I, I, f- yeah. I find myself I can be quite shy I can be quite reserved I'm mm-hmm. an introvert I'm not really out there or like I wouldn't say that I'm a funny part like I think I've got quirks about me everybody does yeah I think I'm funny in my own ways but I wouldn't think people would be like oh yeah Katie she's like she's a, a riot you know what I, mean? <laughs> that, I don't think that is the case but if people thought you were boring that would be the worst yeah thing. that's my worst nightmare is that people yep. find me bland or boring mm. so I, so when i get additions through like that and it's like you've got to tell a joke i get so stressed but um yeah i have had that quite a lot tell a joke um improvise sometimes how does that go how do you I'm how sure. do you cope with it do you know what? i'm all right like when i when i'm just thrown in the deep end i'm okay if if i got told i was gonna have to do that like yeah. the night before i would stress out but if i'm in the room and someone goes just improvise then i'm all right yeah it's the thinking I mean? about it isn't it because you can't think because you can't really it. plan for that no and when you do try and plan i think it just goes wrong yeah um also if there's other people involved then you might have come up with some great thing and you're trying to get that thing in you can't force it yeah and there's other it people just there. doesn't work yeah but to, yeah I've had to do that sometimes, but not loads. I did one for a, um, I think it was for a bank, although it was set in like a country pub when it was there was snow outside or something. And the thing was, they brought three people into the room at a time, and it was improvised. And you're sitting in the pub, and then you hear that the power's gone out, and then you hear that the phones aren't aren't working, and mm. uh, and they gave us glasses, empty glasses, and we <laughs> sat, and you're sitting in this all just four white walls and a tiny camera and someone behind it. And they go, go. And there's three. And the, uh, the trouble is that not only are you trying to improvise, but you're trying to improvise with two people that really want to get the job over you. Yeah, exactly. So in a w- there's this weird vibe of like, we're supposed to work together, but in a way, it's like, what, you know, try, try, out everyone's trying to get to the front. Out-pun each other and all that. <laughs> oh, it's terrible. I think, and you're so right. You've hit the nail on the head. In an addition situation, it's so, such an unnatural environment anyway. Yeah. That it can be really hard. And my biggest thing is when it's like oh have a seat and we'll just chat like mm. in an addition and i feel like oh no and it's those questions of like so tell me about yourself it's like so vague you know those tell questions me about yourself that's terrible and you're like uh, like about me or about me as a performer or like all that stuff goes through your mind and i think it all it all takes me back to when i was at motherwell and on the very first day we had this acting class and we had to do that thing where you went around the circle and said three interesting facts about yourself mm-hmm. and what goes through my head at that point is do I say the thing about the taste thing because I don't want people to think that A, I'm making it up, B, yeah. that I'm crazy, you know, all this stuff. But it is up there, it's at the top of your but mind because it, it is interesting. And people do find it interesting when they yeah. get to know me, but on that day I thought, do you know what, I'm just going to say it. 
I'm just going to be myself. I'm just going to say it. Mm-hmm. So I said it and it did not go down well. What? Like everybody was like, you're making that up. Like, la- like full on laughing. And like, I remember the acting teacher was like full on like, okay then. Like that's totally scolded me for it. And on your first on day. On my first day. Ugh. And ever since then, I, I became really wary of any sort of situation like that. Like yeah. say an interesting fact. So then for a while I tried to be not interested in the interesting facts for that reason right but then but then your fear is being boring so that's exactly it's so hard yeah so then eventually i was like i'm just gonna have to deal with it mm-hmm. the hater's gonna hate you're right the player's gonna play so you are a rapper <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah that's cool that's terrible though in the first day I, I hope that person knows how how wrong that was yeah it's like young minds that you're molding yeah, I look back on that. It was not a good time. No, it was not good times. I have some, I have some sort of dodgy memories of of being at drama school. Not through really anybody's fault, but more just like being eighteen and not mm. having a clue and just mm. thinking whatever they say goes, even if exactly. it's painful to me or really inconvenient or you know, I I feel so uncomfortable doing it. You just do it, don't you? And you go, oh, you're so impressionable, aren't you? Like oh, at yeah. that age, well, everyone um, else is doing it. Let's do it. Yeah, and you, you you take everything that people say as as fact. Yeah, truth. yeah like, that's I, true. I think my fear of being boring does come from that. I think, like, because cause at drama school, I was often told um, that in a room, I can be quite quiet. Like, in a rehearsal room, the way that I process is just, that's just the way I process it. I, I go into my own mind and I'm quite, mm-hmm. like, quiet and just introverted and I deal with it my own way. Mm-hmm. And I got told once, like, you've really got to find time for banter. Like, you've really got to be more like Find fun in a room a like it puts everybody on edge that you're like not kind of joking around and stuff like that and i think that made me feel you know like like you're saying at that age you just go oh, okay then that must be what i am so then you try and fight against that and oh, it takes man. ages to undo that kind of yeah it does it does or it's stuff that cycle. stuff sticks with you mm. but i didn't realize i was saying actually to marilyn emery who was on the show a couple of weeks ago i didn't realize until only a few years ago that introvert and extrovert um there was no hierarchy because you could be led to believe, especially in our business, that extrovert is better. Oh my goodness, I'm so glad you said that because yeah. I've been thinking about that so much lately. Yeah. The fact that there is this idea that being an extrovert is what everybody should aim towards. Yeah, so if you're an introvert, you've got work to do. Exactly, to get and all this kind of like the self-help mm-hmm. stuff that's going on right now, which is great and it's making people think about themselves and how they live a life and that's amazing, but I do think it it, it, it weighs on the side of you know come out of your shell like own your space be who you need to be and i think subconsciously i thought that meant oh i need to be bigger like mm, i need to crawl mm-hmm. out of the shell and all this and it's only lately that i'm starting to realize no like i am an introvert sometimes yeah sometimes i'm an extrovert and that's fine and i just need to sit in where i am on that day yeah and and just live with that and i totally agree with what you're saying i think somewhere along the road it's got confused and, and people seem to think that being loud or being out there is the better thing yeah, but especially in our in game. our industry, because yeah. how do you you're trying to sell yourself, mm-hmm. put yourself forward? Even those words mm-hmm. suggest something about being out and up and big mm-hmm. that not necessarily better. But but the whole point of life is that we all need to be different in order for it to balance itself, mm-hmm. you know. And it's the same in this in this industry, like in a rehearsal room, you need a whole palette of different personalities. If for everybody's it to work. screaming yeah. at the top of their if lungs, everybody's like work. mad out there and yeah. an extrovert. And I admire my friends so much who are like that. And 
like but I but the problem is I often used to look at them and want to be that you know I'd go I wish I was more like that and I would scold myself for not being that and it just opened up a floodgate of anxiety you know that I'm Mm. only now starting to close and go you know what no I'm okay the way I am Mm -hmm. I just need to accept that and that's it would you say that anxiety in a more broad sense has an effect on your working life yeah 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 (laughs) are you comfortable telling me a bit more about that yeah I think so it's it's a difficult one because the the time I felt it the most was when I was doing Our Ladies right in London and I was a cover yeah so I was covering two of the roles and my anxiety then was so heightened like it was the worst it had ever been yeah and I think it's made me realize how much of a part anxiety plays in my life and in my professional life and mm-hmm. how you know even when i was doing hay fever that character that i was playing was basically she she turns up at the house and she's really nervous and scared about being at the house and she's always bursting into tears and she was like riddled with anxiety mm-hmm. and it was so difficult not to let that bleed into my personal life and it did like it right. totally bled in like uh-huh. i didn't feel it myself at all during that period when I was playing that part, because I would go home and feel like I couldn't shake that anxiety. And yep. I was like being pushed and pushed, you know, in all the right ways to 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 be that character and to really let that fly. But it was so difficult not to let that affect me as a person. And I felt like in that rehearsal room, I couldn't then be me that I usually am because mm-hmm. I was so anxious all the time. So you're working so hard to tap into that really thing. Hard, and before the show, I'd have to like rile myself up, you know, into an anxious state. I couldn't oh. just walk on and be like, "No, I need to be anxious." I, I found that I had to get myself into that zone. <laughs> it's quite a, a high intensity, like physically as well. Anxiety, you know, yeah. the real thing. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of tenseness and a lot of like um, totally. a lot of use of muscles, isn't it? So to do that on stage, I suppose it's not yeah. like you try and loosen off and let it come in. It's more like you have to gather yeah, it up, you have to don't gather you? Gather it up, and I've got some back issues as well mm-hmm. and when i get highly anxious that also flares up of goes course. straight to my back and during that time that's that's what was happening and then i went straight from hay fever into our ladies so i literally right. finished hay fever on the saturday went to london on the sunday started our ladies on the monday mm-hmm. and i was a week late into rehearsals because of hay fever so vicky very very kindly um allowed me to come in a week late mm-hmm. and so i was like you know that feeling of your first day? It was <laughs> I hate it. it was the first day, but only for me. Oh, it's even worse, <laughs> yeah. Because all the other girls had done a week of rehearsals and most of them, I think there was three of us that were new. Yeah, and were, most of them had been doing the show before anyway. Most of them had done it before, like for two years and then mm-hmm. there was three of us coming in new. But I didn't know anyone. I knew Dawn, mm-hmm. but I didn't know any of the others. So I was coming in totally fresh to it. So with all of that anxiety that I had in hay fever... <laughs> Then having to go to London for months, yeah. having to like uproot my life, trying to like get into the headspace of doing Our Ladies. I was also really ill, which I don't get ill a lot, but I think because of the anxiety and because of that, what I was going through, my body was kind of just needing a rest and I couldn't yeah. give it that rest because I had to ramp up and do Our Ladies. So that week of rehearsals is very bloody in my mind because I literally was just pushing through it all. Yeah. And I felt like I couldn't talk to anybody about it because I, again, I didn't want to be the new girl coming in being like, you know, I'm really anxious. I just had to get on with it. And I think that's when I I go into the, the kind of steely mode where I like go, right, I'm just going to get on with this. I'm going to be really professional and I'm just mm-hmm. going to kind of go. And um, I found that really hard. And then when we got into the run, it was, it was really, really stressful. <laughs> so were you on much? 
yes i went on quite a few times i had like one week when i was scheduled to go on when when frankie had to go to a wedding so i knew that was coming yeah and then i went on a couple of other times because of illness and things like that um so i did go on quite a bit but it was quite spread out right um so it was like kind of days here and there Mm -hmm. and um i think it's only looking back i realized how anxiety inducing that job was when i was in it i just thought this is part of it you know right and um looking back now i'm like oh my goodness like i put so much pressure on myself because <laughs> it was stressful having to learn two parts of that show that was already quite a well-oiled machine yeah definitely yeah and just being able to slot in and have it all in your head ready to go at the drop of a hat but then coupled with that is the waiting and the not being on loads yeah and is that that must play into some of your stuff as well yeah definitely because i think there's a kind of perception of because we were off stage on our studies that we just got to chill you know and we did like don't get me wrong we chilled like (laughs) yeah we were like watching netflix and Mm -hmm. chatting and doing whatever we needed to do but it's always at the back of your mind like somebody could come off at any second and i just need to go on and do the show and i think it's easy to think you know because my friends would always ask me like so what do you do like when the show's on like and i'm like well i'm just watching tv or i'm reading or Mm -hmm. doing all these things but always at the back of your mind you're thinking I need to know this inside out. Like I could just get shoved on. So it could happen mid-show. Is that one it of those could shows? Mid-show. They yeah. wouldn't. They wouldn't pull the show. They would just put you on. Yeah, and there were a couple of times where we'd like if if someone was not feeling very well, we'd get informed and we'd have to be in costume with our mics on, like ready to go on, like wow. sitting in the dressing room, that <laughs> oh kind of thing. Goodness. So you'd be listening to the show on the monitor. Yeah. Um, you know, and that kind of thing. So it's just high anxiety all the time. You're yeah. just kind of always on the edge <laughs> and um yeah it was it was a really tense time but don't get me wrong it was amazing and mm-hmm. i had such a good time when i did go on i was like this is brilliant but i'll never forget the first time i went on oh, it was scary <laughs> oh god i bet was that that was the west end run yeah 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 so i was like stood um waiting to go on and it was a plan it was it was when it was planned so i knew i was going on for weeks mm-hmm. um which was good and bad because it meant that I had time to rile myself up like because I knew I was oh, going yeah. on and we had one cover run I think the day before where we ran the show right and um but I was like oh am I prepared do I know this because obviously in rehearsals we were sitting and watching the girls rehearse we, we were getting up occasionally but we were kind of sitting and watching taking notes but only until you do it but it's is not it in your, your it's, it's not in your body, body at all, at all. Yeah, so yeah. you have to just be very kind of in your head about it mm-hmm. and um accept what's happening as it's happening which doesn't come naturally to me because I'm, I like to plan and I like to do things again and again and again and I do struggle with stage fright and things like that so it was a lot and I'll, I'll never forget like standing waiting to go on and I remember looking at Dawn and, and she just was like you've got this like you can do this and then the door opened and I just went on that's Dawn all over though isn't it I know you got this come on I'm glad she was there yeah she definitely yeah. pulled me into reality because I was totally oh it was never forget that and what happens what happens when you get stage fright how is that i don't think i've ever had that yeah it's quite a new thing for me mm-hmm. i can cope with it and i've never frozen but i get this thing where i start to convince myself i don't know the words yeah or i don't know the lines and i think that's quite common mm-hmm. a lot of people i've spoken to have felt that but some days it's worse than others like i'll get onto the stage in gen- i mean <laughs> last year when i was doing panto there's a bit where me and Robbie Jack were sitting waiting for the curtain to go up. We were like in this cage. And every time before that scene, I'd get myself into a state thinking I didn't I didn't know the words. And there was one night I turned to him and I said, Robbie, do you ever get this thing where 
I genuinely sometimes question if I know how to speak. Like right. sometimes I think, how do I know how to speak? How do I know that words are going to come out? Like, how do I know the sounds that I need to form? Like it goes that far. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> and then the curtain comes up and do you never get that where you're, you're saying the lines and you can hear yourself saying it and you're mm. like, this is coming out. How is this coming out? How do I know what I'm saying? And it can all get very intense. It's pretty meta. I get it with, with musical instrument. Like if I, yes. if I think, if I'm playing the accordion and it's going all right, mm. if I think, hey, this is going all right, it's mm. done. <laughs> it's so hard with musical Fall instruments. Off. Yeah, I and, get and that. And question, you go, you look at your hands playing the piano, look at my hands, I'm going, how am I, how do I know how, how to do, do that? What? There's no way that's, I can't do that. I'm totally the same with my clarinet. And then you lose it. As soon as you start having those thoughts, that for me, that's like the end or it's the beginning of the it's end. It's like you've just got to trust your fingers know the pattern. Because it's, it's muscle so memory easy. for so much Yeah, of it. it's so easy to forget that and to go awry. And then when you when, when it's lines, it's weird because you can, as you say, hear the lines coming out, mm-hmm. you're saying them, but your brain can be also in another place going, hmm, let's think about this. Exactly. Or, what if I said this instead of the real line? What would yes. happen then? Oh, Do you ever get that? That, that sabotage thing? I oh. hate that feeling. Especially when you're doing like a kid's show. Yeah, yeah. What that. would be the worst thing I could say? Yeah. Of course. What if I said it? Like, I've got the power to say that right now. I could ruin the whole thing. <laughs> or just walk off or <laughs> run away or... Yeah. <laughs> I know, it's difficult. It's weird. And I think like talking about anxiety and things like that, it's... You know how like every day can be different? You wake up some days and you feel totally on top of things. Yeah, yeah. Totally in your body. I'm looking and, forward to one of those days. Yeah. I've heard that. When they, is that day coming? They have them. <laughs> but like it's the same with additions. Like some days I wake up and I feel like, okay, I can I can manage this. Yeah, and other yeah, days yeah. I wake up and I feel like a mess. And I mm-hmm. think I, I don't feel in my body sometimes. You know, I feel like I'm watching myself go through it. Yeah. And I, I find it especially at panto time when I'm very tired and I've not really slept well and not been eating well and things like mm-hmm. that. And and it's like you just have to push through it. And I think that's when my stage fright gets worse because I'm already in a, in a state of anxiety and trying to go on stage and shove all that down, you know, yeah. and pretend to be fine and pretend that you're all right and you're this character that's not got any worries in the world. Yeah. It's very challenging. I don't think it's spoken about enough. Yeah. How how difficult that can be. If you're if you're at all run down in, mm-hmm. in real life, it's just, yeah, you're You've working extra hard. You've got your own stuff going on like, in your personal it. life and yeah. things like that. And I know people say like, you can't bring that into the workplace, but it's, it's a kind of inevitable in our job, you know? I think it is. I mean, I've heard that Judy Dench leaves her coat in her bag outside the rehearsal room. <laughs> I was listening to that on Sally's podcast. Oh, did she say that? <laughs> yeah. Gosh. She said something like how she leaves it there because so she can just nip out whenever she wants to. Oh, yeah. That's and right. you, you said that's not what the. <laughs> just so she can just go, no, nah, I'm not. That's I'm not, not what this. that's about. No. But it's like, don't bring it all in, but you do. Yeah. How could you not? Yeah, it's kind of impossible, but it's just about how you manage it, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, and not letting it take over, ideally. Yeah. But you're right, different days. Yeah, some days easier than others. Mm -hmm. Well, I wish you a successful panto run. I hope that you believe that you know the lines, because I'm sure you will. Oh, it'll be fine. I just keep saying that as well. That'll be all right. (laughs) Anyone asks, it'll be fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Are you working with Robbie again? Yes. Well, that's a joy. Always a pleasure. Enjoy that. Thank you for talking to me. Thank you very much for having me. Katie Barnett. Lovely stuff. And uh, thanks very much to her for taking the time to chat to me. And I didn't even tell you at the beginning of the show how things are going. I don't know why. Um, But I'm in Bristol, recording this in Bristol, and in my lovely digs uh, in Henley's. And... 
uh, the show is into its second week, really, in Bristol. Um, the first full week, um, not including any um, openings and press nights and extra tech and all the rest of it. So we're into the swing of the run now, which is really nice. And uh, the Bristol audiences are just lovely. There's there's loads of them, and they're really appreciative of the show, and they seem to really get what it is that we're, we're doing. So I'm overjoyed about that. Bristol Vic is so lovely. It's such a beautiful space. Um, no rake, which is so different from working at the Lyceum. Um, and also, it's just, it's more intimate and the sound is so dry in there, if you know what I mean. Um, it just makes the show feel completely different. And there's a bit where I where I come through the past door and, and enter from, from what used to be a very close to the stage, on stage level box, which is now just really a, a sort of vomb from, this, from stage, well, both sides. Anyway, coming through that door and just looking up the side of the, the auditorium, um, and seeing where people can go in, and then seeing the stage from stage level, but technically in an audience perspective, just gives you this feeling of what it must have been like to be an audience member uh, in days gone by, sitting in this box, which is essentially just right on the stage, um, so close to everything, and people's voices um, are just they're just right there, they're just so immediate, the sound from the stage is immediate, you can see every detail of the set, and you can see every movement of the performers, and it's just, it's an experience you don't get in in just any theatre, so it's really unique, Um, and it's, I I believe, I don't know the exact fact, but it's the oldest, uh, mm, the longest surviving, constantly running theatre in the UK. I think that's right. It's certainly one of the one of the old ones that's up there. Um, what a brilliant place to work and what a lovely bunch of people are there as well. So it's it's so cool. We've just slotted right in and I'm enjoying the time I'm spending with our, with our company from Edinburgh as well. So no complaints on that front and uh, the, the days, you know, in a sense you have you have more time when you're away from home because you, although we're doing the same amount of work, uh, I'm not getting involved in any other stuff really because I'm not near home, so I can't uh, I can't go back to Glasgow and do this that and the next thing I can't you know there's no other stuff I'm getting getting roped into I'm just here um, and my my sole purpose is is doing Twelfth Night and it gives me a bit of space around it which is really good um, so I've been walking loads walking for miles and miles and enjoying the Bristol sights and the beautiful weather here and yeah. It's all good. It's all good right now. So I'm glad to report that. And uh, I want to thank you very much for listening, for all your lovely comments and for sticking with me. If you've been with me since the beginning, wow, well done you. Uh, Next week is the one year anniversary of the show. So tune in for a very special show next Wednesday. And do remember that my sponsors are purplepandamedia.com. They did the website and the logo design and they do a very nice job on those things. So if that's something you're in the market for, do check them out. Other than that, all that remains for me to say is that I'll see you next week, same time, same place and cheerio now.